Want to make a podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily and distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else your podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I've discovered Spotify for podcasters, I just enjoy putting these podcasts out for everyone to really like. I highly recommend you give it a try. It's so easy to use. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started today. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. What is up, everyone? I'm so excited to get into all the latest 49ers updates because there are some absolutely fantastic under-the-radar signings. The 49ers have been making moves, not moves that are going to get anyone feeling excited or anything like that, but once you start breaking into who these players are, you get the idea of what the 49ers are trying to do and what they continue to do with their Talent pool compared to their coaching staff, and it's been fantastic. And what's up, I don't game? How's it going? I hope you're having a good one. And if this is your first time watching the episode, if you would, give it a like. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. So I'm just excited about this 49ers content we're going to be able to get into. And uh, excited if you're a channel member or you have me on Patreon. Uh, earlier, I did a Mock Draft 1.0. Ant's Mock Draft 1.0 went live earlier today. Uh, if you are a member, uh, go ahead and check that out. A patron, check it out. And if not, you can sign up and go check those out. Uh, had a lot of fun. Went through seven rounds. Uh, me and Freddie Mac Dre were pretty much going back and forth on a bunch of stuff. So it was a lot of fun. And I took some shots and went edge rusher and, and even took other shots at other guys. So uh, it, was a, it was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun doing it. So check that out if you get the opportunity. And what's up, Marvin? What's up, Jay Ellie? And Jay Ellie says, still waiting for that one move before draft day. They're going to continue to make moves. I just wonder if one of those moves is going to be a big signing, Jaylee, like I think you're implying could happen. That is definitely a possibility. But let's talk about some of the moves that the 49ers have made uh, because they have been willing to kind of do flying under the radar uh, little coy moves. Uh, and one of those that I really want to get into because I think it has a, a pretty big impact is John Feliciano. John Feliciano has been around the league for a long time, 
but he's one of those guys that was willing to come to the 49ers on a very cheap number. Uh, he wants to win a Super Bowl. He said, hey, I've made my money. I want to come win a championship. That's what I'm about. And I think that's an attitude the 49ers are hoping to get in that big move you're talking about, KL. Is, is somebody that's going to be willing to say, you know what? I'm going to come win a Super Bowl. I'll play for Chris Kasarik. I'll play you know, with this 49ers defensive line because I know if I bet on myself this year, I can turn five, six, seven million dollars into 17 to 20 million dollars next year because of what I saw from Samson Ebucom and Charles Amenahue. So I think that Feliciano's kind of opinion on what he's doing coming to the 49ers is what I think they were waiting for in other positions, but happened on the offensive line. So Feliciano's a guy that started 15 games for the New York Giants and he played center. One of the big things that was very noticeable during training camp was how much Daniel Brunskill struggled playing center. Then Chris Furster during the season says Daniel Brunskill is not really a natural center position guy. Like that's not his normal position. He's very comfortable at guard. He's comfortable at tackle, uh, but he didn't feel comfortable playing center. So they had brought in Keith Ishmael to be able to come in and compete at the center job. But when you lose Daniel Brunskill, you also lose your guy that can play all interior offensive line spots. Because even though center wasn't his number one position, he had already proven he could do it and play and start games at center. So they bring in Feliciano, a guy with a lot of ability. Now, you don't bring a guy in like Feliciano and just be like, he's a backup. He's going to come in and compete. He's going to come in and compete with Spencer Burford. He's going to come in and compete with Jake Brendel and Aaron Banks. That's what he's going to do. Uh, is he going to beat them out? I hope not. I hope Spencer Burford and Aaron Banks uh, don't get beat out at all. I hope Feliciano is the backup. That would be great news for the 49ers. They just signed Jake Brendel to a big move. So if they believed Feliciano was good enough to start over Jake Brendel, they wouldn't have paid Brendel. They just would have went Feliciano. So I think that kind of gives you an idea of what the Feliciano deal means. I think it has less effect on Jake Brendel, more of an effect on Burford and at Banks, and like some have brought up, does that mean Banks, I mean, Burford then kicks out the tackle with Feliciano coming on? I think it's a possibility. I don't think it's a very likely scenario, though, because he's a young guy. Getting him equipped to play on the inside and then leaving him there could be exactly what they need for a couple of reasons. Number one, financially, it will make sense when he becomes a free agent in three years. And second of all, it makes sense because they just put in all the effort to moving him to guard. Uh, so I think he's going to be the guard, but the Feliciano move was definitely smart by the 49ers, and it gives them a lot of ability to kind of, you know, not have to worry about somebody getting hurt. And I think that's huge uh, for the 49ers. So uh, JL, he says, not a bad mock, needs a little FSU in it. Uh yeah, you know, I, I think I think you're right. I, I miss there was a couple of Florida State guys I thought about doing. Uh and and I did think about going Jamie Robinson, but he was gone. I kind of missed on him and Dean in the in there. So uh good good call on that. And uh, what's up, Forkdal? How's it going? Welcome to the the chat. And um I, I think that you know when it comes to Feliciano, he's got a lot of ability and just going through and watching his film. I wasn't entirely familiar. I had seen him play for the Raiders. I didn't watch him a whole lot with the Giants, but 
seeing the mobility he played with, the intelligence that he was able to play with, the way will he the way he was able to leverage defenders uh, and create angles for the blocking game, I think is something the 49ers are definitely interested in. He brings that veteran leadership. I believe he is a upgrade over Daniel Brunskill as far as interior offensive line. Uh, he does not have the ability to play tackle, so that's something to remember. What's up, Kylie? How's it going? Welcome to chat. I think that he's a good, solid pickup for the 49ers. It's something that's probably going to fly under the radar because he's not set to be a starter. Uh, but the 49ers are all about bringing in guys to compete and battle. And I think that Feliciano is going to compete and battle for the 49ers starting guard jobs. And Burford and them are going to have to hold on. 49ers want the best possible roster. But I think what this move ultimately ends up being is a great move in case something happens. Last year, Spencer Burford missed a game because of injury. That's still pretty good, right? Him and Banks were locked up, suited, and ready to go, ready to go almost the entire year. Well, now if something happens, you don't have to worry about one of them going down. Feliciano steps right in, and heaven forbid something happens to Jake Brendel, then he steps right in. I think we're better off at all those positions, you know, that you've got going on for the 49ers. And that was something that, you know, the 49ers had to do when they lost Daniel Brunskill. It was very important uh, for them to be able to, you know, grab their guy that could come in and be available if they needed him. And the 49ers do this all the time. They strike on these guys, you know, that that make it work. Um, and I think that that's, that's so nice for the 49ers. Just their scouting group, not only collegiate scouting crew, uh, but also their NFL pro scouting group is so good. Now, Lou had asked me a question on, um, on YouTube. Uh, Lou said, Ant, is the signing of Feliciano an indictment of Nick Sakel's ability to play center? I also read or heard somewhere that there was a possibility of Feliciano playing right guard and moving Burford to right tackle spot. Do you think there's anything there or just talk? Well, we kind of mentioned it earlier. I wouldn't put it as a no chance that that happens. There's always a chance. If they believe, and this is how I was with, with my offensive line groups, I want to put the best five guys out there, no matter how that has to happen. So if my belief is Feliciano's in one of those top five guys and Burford is better than McKivitz, then I'm going to find a way to get those five guys on. Feliciano playing guard and then Burford playing tackle. Now, where it gets interesting is if Feliciano's better than McKivitz, but Burford's not, but not better than Burford, right? As far as uh, top five guys, uh, then you might have a thing where McKivitz still plays tackle. I think McKivitz is your starting right tackle moving forward. I know it's an unknown, so people aren't very comfortable with it, but I think he is. I think Feliciano is going to compete at guard. And then he'll be there to back up Jake Brendel if needed. But I don't think Feliciano is set to start as of right now, but he'll have the ability to prove it. As far as it being an indictment on Nick Zakel, I think what it does is it shows that Nick Zakel potentially isn't ready to play center. I think that was definitely signaled by the signing of Brendel to a four-year contract. I kind of thought they were going to go with a one- or two-year deal. Now, I know they went four because they wanted to spread his money out and what he was going to get on the open market. But I thought with his age and, and what had happened with him, I thought we were going to get a shorter contract with Nick Zakel potentially stepping in. But what this Feliciano deal could do is it could actually be an indictment on Zakel's ability to play all five positions. I think he could be the next Daniel Brunskill with his ability to play guard, tackle, and center. But there seems to be some development there. But we'll see what happens. So do I think it is an indictment on Zakel? Yes, 
for the mere fact I don't know if they believe he's able to compete right now. Aaron Banks, though, made a huge jump from year one to year two. Nick Zakel was a part of the 53-man roster the entire season. Potentially, Nick Zakel could develop still. I like him as a young player, but I definitely think they're insulating themselves in case he's not ready to go. And I thought that was a, a tremendous question from Lou. I really appreciated, you know, getting that in, uh, you know, in the chat because or in the comment section because I think it's something that we can all talk about, and I, I really like it. And what's up, Mr. Corey? How's it going? Welcome to chat. We're getting some some good chats going on. Um, and everyone's in the house. What's up, Donald? How's it going? Uh, chat is lighting up right now, so it's good to see everybody in chat. And I did want to talk. There was actually another question that came through that I wanted to make sure I got to. I've been trying to get to everyone's questions and figured I would just answer them right here. And it's from... Lou, uh, I think is actually a different Lou. Says, Ant, I have heard I have heard nothing about Jalen Moore for a long time. What's the skinny on him? Also, given Brunskill's contract, why did the 49ers choose not to bring him back at such a ridiculously pro low price and then go out and get Feliciano instead? It just doesn't make sense. Well, we'll start with the Brunskill contract compared to Feliciano. So Brunskill wanted to start. I think that's one of the keys. Daniel Brunskill wanted to be a starter here in San Francisco. I think he knew Spencer Burford was the starting right guard. Uh, of course, Brunskill was getting reps and rotating and rotating with him, but I do believe that he wanted to be a starter, and so he went. Rand Carthon is in Tennessee. He goes there. He gets a contract that he likes. Uh, is it a big contract? No, but he gets the capabilities to start and prove he's a starting guard and potentially make more money in the future. So I think that's why Daniel Brunskill left. Uh, bringing in Feliciano is a nice, solid move for a guy who started 15 games last year at center, which means the 49ers have a guy that has a guard-center ability that could fill in for Brunskill. It's not the complete five-position versatility that Brunskill had, uh, but you probably don't meet, need that because of what you just said, Jalen Moore. Now, Jalen Moore is an interesting guy because last year, it was. It would look like Jalen Moore struggled a little bit in training camp, and then when he got into the game early in the season when Trent Williams got hurt, he struggled mightily. But I thought he bounced back in his next, next appearance. So I'm very optimistic about what Jalen Moore can do. And as of right now, Jalen Moore would be slotted to be the 49ers swing tackle. Uh, of course, they could address this in the draft, bring in somebody else, you know, and potentially put them at swing tackle. They could still find a low-budget a uh, player, potentially they could go that route. They could trade for a player. There's a couple guys available in trade. I don't I don't think that's likely for them to trade for a player. So right now, I think Moore is that guy with Colton McKivitt stepping up. But let's see how comfortable the 49ers feel with it. Now, with Jalen Moore, I thought his first go around, he looked absolutely lost. And I think he just wasn't prepared to play that game. I think when he was prepared and he got a full week to prepare, I thought he looked a lot better. Still some growth that needs to get there, but I think Jalen Moore might be where Colton McKivitz was in 2021, and I think that's a little bit better. His development can still come. So uh, to me, I think Jalen Moore could could show something, but you're right. He doesn't get talked about. Jalen Moore is not someone that gets discussed on you know most. Uh, me, and, me and Horse used to talk about offensive line all the time over on Slightly Offsides on Patreon, but other than that, I mean, you really don't see a lot about it. Uh, well, I think that we'll we'll see more and more talk about him because he's going to get 
you know, more and more conversation about this offensive line as it continues to be developed in different ways. And let's see what we got here. What is up, Randy Daytona, in the chat? Mr. Corey says, Jordan Willis basically for Cleveland Farrell was a big head scratcher. I don't know exactly what what the you know what was the thought process between Jordan Willis and, and Cleveland Farrell. Um, I do think that Cleveland Farrell, even though he hasn't had huge production playing for the Raiders, I think the way the 49ers plan to use him, that his production is going to take an uptick. So I do think Cleveland Farrell is going to have an impact on this 49ers roster. I think he will increase his sack numbers. He had, you know, 10 sacks in four seasons. Not exactly anything to write home about. But if you think about the last two years, one of the thing that, things that's hindered Jordan Willis has been availability. Uh, two years ago, he missed games because of the performance-enhancing drugs. Last year, he was hurt and missed football games. So the 49ers definitely have been trying to make sure they have players that are healthy and capable of playing and that are going to get those snaps. I think Cleveland Farrell has proven that. Now, I like Jordan Willis a lot. I would have loved to get him back. He was a guy I thought the 49ers were going to target and bring back. Uh, they didn't. So uh, Cleveland Farrell is going to have to step up and make that. Now, as far as talent, uh, both these guys are tremendously talented. I think Jordan Willis actually has more uh, physical traits as far as the speed and those sorts of things. So I think the potentially uh, that's something you're going to miss. But let's see what they do with Farrell. I don't expect Farrell to play inside, but I do expect him to play very good against the run on the outside. I think that's something he can do. Uh, and, I mean, this edge edge room is a little bit different uh, because of the, the way that the 49ers have built it in the past. They're definitely building it a different way. And, you know, they proved it with one of their new signings in Austin Bryant. And Austin Bryant was a teammate of Cleveland Farrell at Clemson. And people remember him as an outside linebacker guy that could bring, you know, a lot of pressure off the edge. And he's a guy that hasn't had a lot of success in the NFL. Of course, in 2021, when he played the most snaps, he had four and a half sacks. Well, who does that sound like? It sounds a lot like Samson Ebucom. Samson Ebucom, outside linebacker, playing in a 3-4 defense for the Rams, was able to get four and a half sacks. He comes to the 49ers, four and a half sacks. Second year, five sacks. So Austin Bryant's got that kind of athletic ability. What are you looking at? You're looking at a really big dude that's 260 pounds, but still runs a 4-5-40. So the athletic ability is there. You go back and you watch some of the good snaps he had in 2021. You can see him using his speed to get upfield, to make tackles jump out, the ability to use his strength and his hips to be able to throw players back in, you know, back outside when he worked his way inside. Pretty good rip move, a pretty good arm over move with a swim move as well. You could definitely see he knows how to play with leverage. He's able to bend the corner pretty well. I seen a lot of things I like trait wise. Fourth round pick in 2019, but he was a fourth round pick for a different regime there in Detroit. So as they kind of progressed with this new group, they brought in their own guys and his snaps went down. He only played 125 snaps last year. So it is going to be interesting to see how Austin Bryant helps his team. But one of the reasons that I like this move was you lost Jordan Willis. And one of the things you lose with Jordan Willis is his special teams ability. Uh, losing Jordan Willis special teams, they were going to have to make up for. I don't expect it to come from Cleveland Farrell, especially, but I expect it to come from Austin Bryant. This is a guy who has blocked punts in his resume. He's a very good athletic special teams player. 
And he's one of those guys that's an athletic freak. So if you can get him with Chris Kacarek and consistently get his hand in the ground and work on those moves, uh, if if they can work on him setting the edge, which I was concerned about when Samson Ebicom came to the 49ers, but he developed the edge, uh, setting the edge so well in the run game right off the bat. I believe Austin Bryant can do the same thing. And I think that's what they believe they're getting is a player that is kind of akin to Samson Ebicom. Will they get that same production? That's what we're going to find out. But does he have the athletic ability, the physical tools uh, to do it? The pedigree coming from Clemson? Absolutely. And he has a coach that we can trust to help him get it done. So I like this move. I put it on Twitter that I thought it was a sneaky, smart move to bring in Austin Bryant. And once you watch the film, you kind of get that feeling as well. And we see the 49ers do these moves as you work closer to the draft because they want to make sure they're not beholden to any position. Edge rusher was a huge need for the 49ers. Before they signed Austin Bryant, they had four. Drake Jackson, Nick Bosa, Cleveland Farrell, and Alex Barrett, who has been on the practice squad pretty much every year for the 49ers since 2019. And then in 2020 was the time he got significant snaps because of all the injuries. They had to make moves. It was last year, right before the draft, they signed Kamoko Ture, and everyone was like, oh, the 49ers are out of the edge rush market. Of course, they weren't. They ended up drafting Drake Jackson. But I think what it does is it ends up showing you know, that how the 49ers like to go about their business. So they're going to fill out this roster for the most part, uh, probably get up to like 70 to 75 guys uh, before they go into the draft, and then they'll kind of make their moves. But they can obviously draft 11 players in the draft and then turn around and sign a bunch of undrafted free agents as well. So uh, it's going to be interesting. But I thought Bryant was a definite upside guy. And if you put him up against some of the edge rushers, the 49ers would be able to get in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth round. Of course, they can't draft in the fourth, but uh, throughout the draft, he would be up there athletically with all of them, uh, minus a couple of guys falling. So to me, it made a lot of sense for the 49ers, and I like his special teams, and the 49ers do sneaky moves like that on special teams where they can bring in guys that can make an impact. Uh, Donald says, with Hargrave and Bosa, the, the rest should have a much easier time. I agree. Uh, those two guys are going to be big-time penetrators. That's going to help Eric Armstead. When Eric Armstead had a very good defensive tackle next to him, uh, just like he had with uh, DeForest Buckner, he had double-digit sacks. So I expect Hargrave to impact how Eric Eric Armstead's ability to play uh, is. And I think Armstead's going to make an impact in a bigger way because of Hargrave. And I think that you know you can't double them all. And they've been doubling Eric Armstead over the last several years. They're not going to be able to do that with Hargrave. And if they can get a solid guy, is that if it's Drake Jackson, he's just going to play at a higher level, uh, then great. If it's Cleveland Farrell, great. Uh, or if they go ahead and do like JLE was kind of alluding to earlier, still make a big splash move. Uh, people are still channeling the Yannick and Gakwe to the 49ers. Potentially, you know, that would make a lot of sense. However, the 49ers have about, you know, three and a half million dollars in, in cap space, according to Field Yates. Of course, that's not even enough to sign the rookie class. So they're going to make another financial move by restructuring somebody or at least Nick Bosa's extension. But they definitely could make a move if they want to. And I mean, they, they've they've definitely made some interesting uh, contract moves. They've used void years at a different level than I've ever seen before. Uh, Parag Marathi has been doing such a great job just kind of spreading that money out and even hundreds of thousands of dollars that he's spread over like four years 
to create uh, areas for the 49ers to use money now. It's been a very interesting way to go about it, but I'm all about it. Mr. Corey says, unless Willis, uh, like Brunskill, was ready to start and told the 49ers such, it could be, right? It could be one of those things where he wanted to get an opportunity to start and the Raiders provided that because they had lost defensive linemen. That could be the case. And uh, the 49ers weren't willing to put him you know, at more of a rotation. I think he really did like being in the 49ers locker room and and, and working with Chris Kacerik. So potentially you could be onto something there, Mr. Corey. Maybe that's the reason why. Uh, I don't game says Brian's pre-draft profile said he needed to go into a system that ran twists. I can see him being disruptive in our stunt game, especially with his athleticism. Yeah. And his outside linebacker background really fits into the fire zone type of defense that Steve Wilkes likes to run. He could easily bail out in obvious pass downs. Drake Jackson, of course, could do that as well. Nick Bosa could do it all. So those guys make a lot of sense in those types of situations. So the 49ers were planning on upping the athletic athleticism at the defensive end spot. That could be another reason they go that route with Bryant compared to Jordan Willis. Even though Willis ran a 4-5, you could see his, his movement uh, horizontally, uh, laterally is just not as good as potentially, you know, Austin Bryant. So that's something to remember as well. Mr. Corey says he's just waiting on the Chase Young trade. Uh, if, if they pull off a, a Chase Young trade, uh, Mr. Corey, that, that would be absolutely exciting. I'd, I'd be a blast. That would be a blast to have happen. Totally would be uh, dealing with some stuff. I'm, I'm very, very excited about that. And what's up, Gary? How's it going? Welcome to chat. So the 49ers have definitely made some moves. Feliciano... Austin Bryant bringing in a couple of guys, you know, that are going to make an impact on the team. And another one that they did, and it it's it's one of those ones that I don't know if I've been kind of calling for them to move on from this player for a while, but they brought back Ross Dwelly. Uh, and I've I kind of mentioned this earlier. I believe the 49ers like to make sure they have their rooms full so they're not beholden to a position. Do I believe they want to address tight end in the draft? Absolutely. On my mock draft that I did for channel members and patrons, uh, my mock draft 1.0, I had them going tight end. So I do think it's a position they're going to address. But it was smart for them to get Dwelly. Dwelly's Dwelly's cheap. Uh, He understands the locker room, the culture, the offense, everything. So to me, he makes sense that way. But I still think they need to address it. Uh, They haven't been willing to go with a... A unrestricted free agent. Could they still do that? Yes. But right now, it looks like the draft is where they're going to approach it. And if for some reason they didn't get in a situation to get a tight end they felt could start this year and be more of a developmental guy, then at least you have Ross Dwelly in case something happens. So Lou had a question about Ross Dwelly. He said, Ant, can you enlighten me about why the 49ers re-signed Dwelly and Warner? It was my understanding that they wanted to get better at, at, at the position. Um, I thought I heard you say the draft was pretty heavy with edge rushers and tight ends and we uh, and be there in the third round or later for a potential at least upgrade over these two. I do believe that they're going to address in the tight end, Lou. I think the only reason they went with these guys is because it, it, Warner was under contract for one more season. So that's why it makes sense why they could potentially move on from him. He's never developed in the passing game compared to, I think, what they expected He's been a good blocker with Ross Dwelly. Uh, he was inactive so much last year uh, with Tyler Croft starting. So I do think they're looking to upgrade this. I The tight end 
class is fantastic in the draft. I think there's a lot of areas they could go in the draft. So to me, the 49ers are definitely going to approach the draft and try to get at least one tight end. I wouldn't be surprised to see them get multiple tight ends because uh, that is a position that, I mean, we've been calling on this channel for them to upgrade for several years. They haven't been willing to do it. They thought Charlie Warner was going to be the answer. But I mean, when you really look at the position, the 49ers haven't spent higher than a fifth round pick on the tight end position. And even when they brought in free agents, they brought in nobody uh, that was going to be expensive. Jordan Reed played for a very uh, cheap contract. He was basically you know, a league minimum guy uh, coming off all the concussions and injuries that he dealt with. Tyler Croft, the same sort of situation. Uh, Michael Hartman, I'm uh, sorry, um, Michael Pruitt, same thing. So to me, the 49ers haven't been willing to go very high in the as far as picking up a tight end. I think this could be the year because there's going to be guys, and it depend, depends on where some of these guys go. Now, of course, Sam Laporta would be a target the 49ers would definitely be interested in. Uh, out of Iowa, I think he would make a lot of sense, but I think he's going to go in the early part of the third round. Luke uh, Schoonmaker out of Michigan, I think he's a possibility. He will probably be available to the 49ers. Josh Wiley, they met with. Uh, they met with Laporta as well. I think Wiley out of Cincinnati, who's 6'6", 248, I think is somebody that they're interested in. Of course, my guy, Will Mallory out of uh, Miami. He was the fastest tight end at the Combine. I really liked him. It wasn't the combine speed that did it. I liked him before. I saw him running away from linebackers when he got the ball in his hands. A lot of people love Zach Kuntz, uh, so he makes a lot of sense if the 49ers were willing to do that. A big guy, six foot eight, uh, ran the second fastest 40 at the combine, so he's got a lot of athletic ability. Didn't really transition uh, to actual game film, but you, when you see those traits, you're hoping you can develop, right? And George Kittle didn't exactly have the best college career either as far as catching the football in a run-first offense. And then Payne Durham, who's an all-around great tight end, 6'6", 253, a little slow. I worry about him creating separation, um, but he is you know, a guy the 49ers could target for sure. They met with him, and I think he fits the bill as far as a guy that is more impactful in the passing game than Charlie Warner. Uh, so he makes a lot of sense. And I mean, we haven't even got through that many. There's still Brenton Strange. Uh, Blake Whitehart, who's another one of my favorites. Those guys make a lot of sense. Braden Willis out of uh, OU can do some things in the, you know, as far as catching the football. So uh, that that's a very deep tight end group. I think any one of those guys, the 49ers pick up, you know, he comes in and they could probably compete. In passing game-wise, they could beat out Dwelly and Charlie Warner. Uh, run game-wise and blocking, I don't know. Warner's pretty good, but one of these guys would have to step up in that area but i think there's a lot of potential for the 49ers to pick up a tight end uh in this draft and i think that's how they're gonna potentially build and donald says they will go tight end in the draft i went tight in the draft and i believe it as well uh randy says because someone has to know the playbook besides george kittle well, there you go that there's a good reason to bring those guys back right he's they, you make sure they you have guys who understand the playbook Tight end is one of the harder positions to translate from college to the NFL. Uh, you have so much responsibility. Now you're blocking the best of the best in defensive ends. Uh, you're also, you know, got to get releases. You're going to compete against linebackers who can run with you. You're competing against safeties who can body you and run with you. It's a lot different world playing tight end in college compared to the NFL. But I think that's why the 49ers will address in this draft. I would not be surprised to see them take someone in the third or fifth round, 
uh, that they believe could come in and compete for the, you know, one of those top three tight end positions. And then I think they will be interested to draft someone later. That's why I've been high on Blake Whitehart. I think they could draft him in the late sixth, early seventh round, or even in the seventh round, and then potentially develop him. If he doesn't make your active 53-man roster, you put him on the practice squad, keep developing him until he could come up and help, because I think he could uh, be one of those guys. Um, Betty says, tight end, linebacker, safety, kicker, defensive tackle. I don't think linebacker and defensive tackle are spots that they need to address anymore. A defensive tackle, Armstead, uh, Hargrave, um, Kalia Davis. Uh, I mean, they, they've got so many. Let me, let, me, let me make sure I don't miss anyone because uh, they've got so many guys. Javon Hargrave, Armstead, Ken Law, Kalia Davis, Kevin Givens, T.Y. McGill. I do think they can draft a defensive tackle, but I don't think it's a need. It's a definite luxury pick. I was willing to go defensive tackle in my mock draft. You guys can check that out over for channel members and patrons uh, because it was just a, too good of a player to pass up on. But uh, to me, that defensive tackle is not a need. Linebacker is not a need. You're going to have Greenlaw, Warner, and Burke starting. But then behind them, uh, you have really, really good guys. Demetrius Flanagan Fowles, Curtis Robinson, uh, Marcelino McCurry Ball uh, stacked. Will they address linebacker potentially it's a luxury though you could probably get someone undrafted or sign someone later on so those positions i don't know and then kicker i i don't know if they're going to address it in the draft i still think they potentially will bring back robbie gold we'll see what happens uh ryan Suckup became available from the from the tampa bay buccaneers today so there are there are definitely guys out there that have experience kicking the football i think it would be smart for the 49ers to bring in a a veteran kicker because of what you're going to need in the playoffs. Um, I know that rookie kicker would be the cheapest route to go, but I mean, one out of the last 17 have gotten a second contract. I mean, that was some great information that we got from uh flash cousin. So pretty good. This course says, Ant, why do you think the Falcons with all the cap space didn't re-sign Oliver? Oh, you know what? They weren't, I don't know why they didn't go that route. I think they were looking to make some adjustments in, in some of the things they were doing. They've been putting a lot of the focus on the, you know, the defensive line. Um, so I think Oliver fits what the 49ers want to do. Maybe they're it's not going to fit what Atlanta wants to do as far as secondary. Remember, he came from a different regime. Oliver's been in the league five years. So a lot of times when players are on your team and they come from different regimes, they slowly kind of rotate you out. So I think that's what happened. Oliver eventually got moved out. You know, I think that's the same with other players. You know, the 49ers are going ahead and getting. It's not that they're bad players, uh, but, you know, like Austin Bryant, he wasn't a part of this coach's regime. And they have certain traits and abilities that they're looking for. So these players become available, and then uh, they fit what you want. So you go ahead and sign them. I think Oliver's a good player. I definitely don't think he's lived up to his second-round uh, potential or draft that draft pick that he was used but he's he's got some growth that he can definitely, you know, continue to develop with. Uh, Fork Tall says, Ant, so we sign Gold and draft Moody late and stash him on the practice squad. Uh, potentially. I, I don't know who would claim Moody if you if you did that. Yeah, you could definitely do that. Um, that would be one of the most interesting things. The four yards could do that. I don't think that, you know, they could even, probably even sign Moody as an undrafted free agent. And I think that no team would be willing to take him and put him on the 53 minus injury at the kicker position. So 
to me that that would make a lot of sense uh i'd be willing to do that i'd even be willing to use one of those late seventh round picks on moody uh bring him in know that you have robbie gold but yeah i i, I kind of like that move overall uh smart thinking for fork talk because i do think he would make it to the practice squad especially if no one was willing to sign him right now there's an abundance of kickers available on the open market there is two two teams well i guess three now with tampa bay without kickers and there are you know seven or eight pretty good veteran kickers available so to me the market uh has more than enough supply and demand so i i think that could definitely be a possibility i don't game says looking at the, the kickers in the league undrafted free agents might be the route to take at that position a lot of hall of fame caliber guys including Robbie. I'm with you. That's how I'm thinking too. Uh, let's see. Fatty says this year you, you draft the best player available. Therefore, if a guy exceeds expectations and you trade your more expensive starter, keep cheap backup. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, the four years haven't really done best player available. That's not something they've done. It is definitely a, a policy that most teams like to do. Then you just kind of stockpile the four years have kind of balanced best player uh, with need and that's how they've went about handling it. And I think that, you know, that's they do a pretty good job in that category. But yeah, they're definitely trying to make sure they bring in cheap possible guys uh, to fill out the 90-man roster and then potentially let them compete for the 53. Um, so yeah. Um, and then Steve says, What brand is that hat? This hat right here is a uh, new era. Uh, it's the I think it's a couple years ago's draft cap. So that's what this hat is. Now, what's up, East Coast Red and Gold Podcast? How's it going? Mr. Corey says, that's why we're getting Chase Young. The commanders can't pay him. And Montez Sweat after paying Payne and Allen and Martin Mayhew didn't draft him. Yeah, with Chase Young, there has been rumors, and I don't know what will end up happening with it, but there's rumors they're not going to exercise his fifth-year option. If they're not, they may be willing to trade him before that date because a team would love to have control over him for two seasons. That would make his draft value even higher. The thing is, will the commanders want to keep Chase Young for at least you know, one more year or two more years at a, a more limited rate? I don't know exactly what his fifth-year option would be. Uh, I know this year the fifth-year option for Nick Bosa is around $20 million. If Chase Young played a significant amount of snaps this year, which I expect he would after recovering from the injury, his number will be even higher than that, probably like $21, $22 million dollars. I don't know if they can afford, like you said, you have that much money on the open market so or on the defensive line. So you're right. I think that's a potential reason why Chase Young could be on the move. Uh, would the 49ers be willing to incur that money even on the short term? You know what I mean? Because it's not like Chase Young is super expensive. He's still on his rookie deal, but uh, you're, you're going to have to incur some money. You're going to have to give up some draft capital. Would you rather have Chase Young and or would you rather go with one of these guys that's available because just like with with hargrave you pay him but you don't give up any draft capital so it's one of those interesting things but i do think if the 49ers went that route i'd be all in on it i think that would be a lot of fun i just don't know if they have the firepower to do it and the money to be able to do it as well another one of the under the radar signings and i know we kind of mentioned uh, a little bit isaiah oliver but i want to talk about miles hartsfield because this one is really flying under the radar with people not really knowing if he's going to be a nickel corner, like, hey, why do we sign him? We already have Isaiah Oliver. Uh, you know, we got other guys as well that could potentially, co you know, compete at the position, um, you know, like Sam Womack. 
You're like, hey, why would we bring in this guy? Well, I think Miles Hartsfield is actually your replacement for uh, Dante Johnson. You've had Dante Johnson, who's been able to play safety, nickel, uh, okay on the outside, which I think you could say the same thing for Hartsford and I, Hartsfield. I think that's what the 49ers are doing. With Dante Johnson getting hurt in the end of the season, you have to bring in a player that can do those things. And why not bring in somebody that Steve Wilkes, who is a special, I mean, who is a secondary ace, would really have familiarity with and enjoy using in a system. So to me, Miles Hartsfield made a lot of sense for the 49ers. I think there are questions whether he's going to be at safety or at corner. I think he's going to fit the safety room. I think that's where they're going to go with him. I think he'll be in there competing at safety with, you know, Odom and Taylor Hawkins. And then the 49ers could potentially still draft someone, but it was a very cheap option. That way, if they don't come up with the guy they want in the draft, and I know everyone's going to be pushing safety for the 49ers to draft for a second year in a row, even though they didn't do it last year. Um, I think that he can compete there. And then with Quantrez Knight, you know, Knight is potential in the cornerback room, especially at the nickel, uh, but he could also translate to free safety. He's not a, uh, afraid to step up, you know, and hit, but his coverage skills playing in the zone scheme for Wilkes, he's got great instincts, and he's also a tremendous blitzer off the edge. So he's somebody to watch as far as position versatility. He had such a great season last year on the practice squad. But I like the Hartsfield move. I thought the position versatility was great. He played safety in college, played a lot of nickel for Carolina last year. So to me, Warriors pick up another guy that really fits, you know, what they what they do. And I think that's what they've just continued to stack on that and stack on versatility. That's one of the things I like the most about him is his versatility at several positions so they can move guys. And they have a deep edge rusher. They have guys that can play inside and outside. Uh, linebacker, they have guys that can run and cover, uh, but can do that. You know, a cornerback, they have guys that can play man or play zone. And then at safety, they have guys that could do it all with Gibson and Ufanga, and then their backups as well. To me, it's solid. Hartsfield also a great special teams player, which can't be ignored. The four-year definitely like to add guys who can help them in special teams. Uh, Mr. Corsi's fifth-year option is $17 million for Young, and Sweat is on the fifth-year option this season. Right. Okay. So it's 17 million. So that's, that's not that bad. Uh, but can the 49ers afford a $17 million cap hit, uh, with, with Nick Bosa, maybe if they're willing to do that, uh, for close to chase young, that would be nuts, but would it impede Jackson's growth? Maybe that would be my concern. It definitely would, no matter what they do with the defensive line, it could impede Jackson's growth as far as the amount of snaps at which he's going to take. It all depends on if the 49ers see him as a three-down uh, three player with Drake Jackson. If Drake Jackson can play the run, set the edge the way that you know, we're all hoping he'll be able to, um, then you're right. Then it would somewhat slow him up. I think the difference to remember is as much as I like Drake Jackson, uh, Chase Young is a you know first overall caliber player. Uh, with Jackson, he's a guy that's got a lot more of development that needs to happen. So Drake uh, is as somebody I don't want to see, you know, that I don't want to see it impend his growth or impede his growth. Uh, but I mean, how can you say no to a player like that if it became available? Now, this is a pipe dream. We don't know if this is going to happen, uh, but I get what, you know, Mr. Corey's line of thinking is not outlandish. Just how could you make it work? I mean, could you sign Chase Young to a new contract? and then bring down that money, yes, you could do that before you ever got to his fifth-year option. So that that could make sense. Uh, the 49ers would definitely have a lot of money there, but could you set it up so when 
you know, Hargrave or Armstead's contracts were changing, that his Chase Young's money got big, you could, especially with the way you've addressed the depth of the defensive interior line position. Uh, so anything can happen, especially when you have Prague, uh, Marathi, they can make it happen, but it would be crazy. Uh, but I, I think that could you imagine a situation where you could get Drake Jackson on the field with Bosa, Chase Young, and Hargrave? I know Armstead wouldn't be on all the time, but you could rotate those guys through. It would be tremendous. The 49ers would have, you know, one of the one of the best uh, defensive lines, if not the best defensive line in the league, and it would be pretty, pretty, pretty ridiculous. Of course, Mr. Corey does say, hey, Jackson would probably go in the package for Young. Yeah, that would make sense, right? That, that might be the package that they would want. Uh, maybe, you know, a, a pick and him, depending on, um, what exactly you know the commanders are looking for? They do have an abundance of defensive linemen, but Greg Jackson would be a nice addition for them that they could play with Sweat for the next three years. So to me, you're right. I think that makes a lot of sense for how the 49ers go about building their team. Would they be willing to trade? I don't know. Uh, it's pretty crazy. I mean, I just read. I think it was yesterday. I just read that the Forrest Buckner potentially could be on the move. The Colts might move him. He wants to play it for a contender, and uh, they would incur no dead money if they trade him. So to me, those types of moves are crazy that are out there. I wonder where Buck ends up landing. I hope it's not the NFC West. I hope he lands somewhere in the AFC again because just don't want to see DeForest Buckner you know, on the move anywhere in the NFC West. Um, I, don't, I definitely don't want to see him in Seattle. That's, that's the main thing I don't want to see other than that. I hope Buckner lands in a nice spot. Where he could potentially, you know, compete to, uh, you know, win a Super Bowl. I know that's what he wants, and I know the, you know, the 49ers wish nothing but the best for him. So Isaiah Oliver is another under the radar signing, a second, you know, round pick. Uh, he's got a lot of ability coming out of Colorado, and a guy that has the ability to play outside and inside. Once again, we're talking about a guy with versatility. Every single move that the 49ers have made uh, has been about versatility. You know, whether that was John Feliciano or Austin Bryant, you know, or Miles Hartsfield or Isaiah Oliver, all those moves were very strategic in how they were bringing in guys that had a lot of versatility to be able to help this roster. I love the way the 49ers are going about building their depth pieces. Uh, they had 19 of 22 starters coming back from the NFC Championship game. So there wasn't a lot of positions in which they had to, you know, replace uh they did they're replacing right tackle with colton mckivitz that was the big one on offense other than that they've got all their starters you know the whole brock pretty trey lance thing that's all going to work out uh but you know they're they're they've got a quarterback they feel comfortable with with one of those guys so we'll be good there uh left defensive end is the other spot or defensive end per se with drake jackson potentially stepping in right now uh, for Samson Ebucom. So you do have a little bit of an adjustment there. And then at the linebacker position, there's another difference uh, with you're going Oren Burks instead of Aziz Alshire. So I think there has been some, you know, just a, a few adjustments, but when you're bringing back 19 of 22 starters, you're you're sitting in a pretty good spot. You're feeling comfortable. So a lot of it is about getting key depth and depth that is not going to, you know, blow up your salary cap because you have to make sure you're able to be financially uh, comfortable. And so far, the 49ers have done a pretty good job with that with these signings. But the Isaiah Oliver one is one I really like because um, he's one of the best against stopping the run. And that nickel position 
it's so important to have a guy that's good against the run. That's why them going to Jimmy Ward, who would be considered a big corner, made a lot of sense because he was very good in run fits. I mean, he was so good at locating the open window and then filling it. And I think that, you know, they did lose a little bit in coverage. Uh, but, you know, Isaiah Oliver's coverage grade is better, but his run uh, is up there. So to me, this was a solid move. I think the Fourniers are going to allow there to be a, a competition on the inside uh, between Oliver and Womack, and we'll see who wins. But Womack's problem was stopping the run at nickel. That's why Diomero Lenore came in, and I thought that their defense got so much better in the run game. So to me, it makes sense to bring in Oliver. Now you have him and Ward, Tarverius Ward, are two of the best at stopping the run. Uh, then you have Hufanga and Tayshawn Gibson at safety. That's really good. And we saw how much better uh, Diomero Lenore got during the season. I thought they've done a very good job of their secondary and, you know, now they're just looking to build depth. They'll probably end up, you know, drafting a corner to come in and compete, uh, maybe a safety as well. But don't forget about Taylor Hawkins and Quantrez Knight. Both those guys have the ability uh, to come in and, and make some plays. And I, I love that. Mr. Corey says, would you have preferred Buckner back over Hargrave? Uh, I, as far as nostalgic-wise, yes, uh, because I love DeForest Buckner. As far as uh, business-wise, no. Here's why. Number one, Hargrave has had you know better seasons uh, recently than DeForest Buckner. Now he played on a better defensive line with better talent. We know that, but he's also was on the free agent market, so you just had to pay him the money. With DeForest Buckner, you have to give up draft capital as well and pay the guy. So to me, that's a lot for the 49ers to have to do to go ahead and turn around and potentially give a first-round pick for DeForest Buckner and then pay him that money instead of just giving the money to Hargrave. So to me, it makes a lot of sense the way the 49ers went. But nostalgic-wise, yeah, I love I love DeForest Buckner. I love what he adds to the football team. Um, so, I mean, I would always love to have Buck back, but I don't think that's within the realm of possibilities, and I don't think that getting him over Hargrave was the right move to make uh, because Hargrave, number one, is playing fantastic right now, but number two, didn't cap cost you any draft capital, which you can use to replenish the depth uh, along your defensive line, which you really need to do. Orko says, I really like the moves in the secondary. Mosley was big loss, uh, but the depth we've seen seem to be getting is worth it. Um, yeah, you know what? That was the thing. I did not want to lose Emmanuel Mosley. That was a tough one. I thought that Jimmy Ward was going to leave, and then it was like, oh, but he gave us a lot of hope with his Instagram live, uh, but he ended up going, you know, and he got that money that he was looking for. He's going to play safety like he wanted. But I did think that Emmanuel Mosley... $6 million was something the 49ers were going to be willing to do. Now they weren't. And this could just be uh, them showing the confidence they have in Diomero or Lenore. They might feel Lenore is one of those guys now uh, that they can roll with on the outside, kind of the way that they decided that with Emmanuel Mosley a couple years ago. He was someone they felt comfortable with playing on the outside, and they moved on from Akilah Witherspoon. It looks like you know this is kind of the way the 49ers are going with Lenore. I mean, this is what you want. You want to be able to draft players that can – make an impact on your football team, and then they can slot into the starting job and you can move on uh, you know, from a more expensive player and save some money there so you can spend it in other locations. So I think that overall, they, they love E-Man. They would have liked to have brought him back. And I think if his number would have been closer to 3 million, he probably would have came back and been been competing uh, because then you could have, you know, him or Lenore would have slid inside and it wouldn't have been Isaiah Oliver or Hartsfield, but uh, that didn't happen. He got $6 million for the Detroit Lions. Congratulations to him for getting that money. I hope he tears it up and gets even more on the open market next year. But 
Uh, I think you're right. You know, I think it would have been nice. That one would have hurt. That one hurt the most. But I thought they did a good job rebounding and, and making sound decisions after that. And I think it does show how much they have a belief in Lenore and Traverius Ward moving forward. Um, Orkel says, we rush over coverage anyhow with Hargrave over our rush. Definitely improved. Of course, we need depth on the D-line still, though. Yeah, exactly. They definitely value defensive line the most. And the pass rush is so important. And that's exactly how they build this roster. They build it from the front seven back. Uh, but they've added so much depth in the secondary right now. They've added a lot of depth in the D-line. They just got to add depth on the edge. I think that's the key that they're going to have to handle right now. Uh, Mr. Chris says, it was easy to move on from Witherspoon. He was awful. Letting Mosley go was a mistake. But we don't know if that's a mistake yet. We'll see how Diomero Lenore plays. We'll see how Isaiah Oliver plays. I mean, there's lots of moves that have looked like mistakes that we've really liked players. And then they come back. You know, and then all of a sudden you're like, wow, that was, you know, the foreigners have, have done a pretty good job of locating a replacement. I mean, it was just last year, you know, that Kwan Williams left and there was a lot of people like, man, that's a mistake. You can't lose Kwan Williams. He's great in the nickel. And the foreigners figured it out. Jimmy Ward played at a high level. He was better against the run than Kwan, even though I love the shark. Um, you know, they're, they've made decisions. You know, we were, I was one of them last year. Man, we should have brought Tart back. Uh, they didn't. And they were very good at the position. Tayshawn Gibson made an improvement. So, it's one of those things where it, it doesn't always feel good now, but let's see what happens first before you know we decide if it's a mistake or not. But I definitely get it. I wouldn't want to lose it either. Uh, Forkel says $6 million for a guy coming off an ACL tear is risky. It is, and maybe that's part of it. I mean, the 49ers doctors know exactly where Emmanuel Mosley is with his recoveries and how he's going to be able to handle moving laterally and those types of things. So it's tougher for a corner for sure, I believe. Um... I know game says I heard somewhere someone speculating that Oliver was Wilkes' choice and a major factor in them moving on from Mosley. Don't know how reliable the source is, though. It's possible. Um, you would like you would like to think that you know Wilkes' fingerprints are going to be all over this defensive line. I mean, sorry, defensive unit. Uh, so that wouldn't surprise me at all. Maybe he decided that he wanted to go a different direction. That he liked Isaiah Oliver, and if that's the case, I don't think I could hate on him for going that route. To me, Oliver, you know, fits the bill of what they're looking for in the nickel position. Uh, I think he's, you know, one of those guys that has the ability. Um, and so if they were really, you know, dead set on Diamond or Lenore playing on the outside and they were looking for a nickel, then, yeah, picking Isaiah Oliver over Emmanuel Mosley made a lot of sense. And so to me, that, you know, that doesn't seem far-fetched at all. I think Wilkes' fingerprints are going to be, you know, here and there you're going to see uh, some moves. Uh, they did bring back Gibson, which I liked. Uh, but you see it with the Hartsfeld move. And then I think we've seen it a little bit with their choice of going speed on the outsides, which I know they like. That's why they got Ebucom. But I think they've consistently um, trended in that direction of bringing guys in, you know, that have a lot of speed. So I, I really like what they've been doing uh, in that department. I think they can continue to build this roster in this manner and, and make some impact decisions. This, of course, is it wasn't risky given that it was only for one season. The upside was higher than the risk. A multi-year deal would have been risky. Yeah, it's the only thing is, is probably $6 million guaranteed. That's a tough thing. You know, what happens if he goes down again? You lose that $6 million. I think that's something that I, I probably would have paid him $6 million, to be honest. But I like Mosley a lot. I like his ability. And I thought him and Charveris Ward together was spectacular. And I thought Diomero Lenore going in and playing the nickel would have been really good as well. But Fournier's elected not to do that. 
They elected to take that money and spend it. That $6 billion is probably going to end up getting them three or four players. And so we'll see if, you know, the volume ends up paying off for the 49ers overall. Um, to me, if it does, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, um, you know, we'll see. I, I did hate losing Mosley, but you know what? The 49ers decided that was the way to go, and we'll see if it pays off. If it didn't, uh, then, you know, we'll be sitting here going, hey, they should have signed Emmanuel Mosley. So, I mean, that's one of those things, right? It's It, it can happen. Uh, it definitely can. Um, and Porco says, but what if Mosley didn't want a one-year deal? I think the reason Mr. Corey is saying that is he got a one-year deal from Detroit. So maybe he did want a, a you know a, a longer contract from the 49ers, potentially. I'm guessing the 49ers offered him three. Uh, and he want he wanted more money than you know than a than three million dollars a year, so he decided to go on. The 49ers set a number for all these guys, and it was kind of rumored before that it was going to be around three million. So uh, Detroit giving him six. You know this is no different than what they do for a lot of players. A lot of players move on when they don't get the offer that they're looking for, but the 49ers find a value for each player and they give it to them. And if they don't like it, they move on. You know, and some of these place uh, players get upset about it. Um, but you never know. But guys, I'm going to check out. Thank you guys so much for joining me. I had a lot of fun talking under the radar signings for the 49ers. We're going to be having some fun. I'm going to be putting some more stuff out over the weekend. Hope you guys all have a really good, really good time tonight. Uh, enjoy your weekend. Come back and check out the channel. If you're a channel member or a patron, check out Ant's Mock Draft 1.0 and let me know what you think. But until next time, stay safe and remember the right way is always the 49ers.